Hello and welcome to Weeb Spawn, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. Glad to be doing another episode. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about Fruits Basket Season 2. And as always, spoilers ahead. And I do mean spoilers. Lots of them. <laughs> Ahead. If you, this is another one that I highly recommend. If you want to watch it, don't listen. Or like, you could probably listen to the first half, but once we start getting to the later half, stop. Watch it. Come back. <laughs> yeah, because this is one of my favorites. Very, very high on my list. So I'm gonna be pretty offended if you guys don't watch this one. But and um, before we get started, I do want to apologize to the you viewers um, because I am recording from a hotel room and I don't have my usual setup so my audio quality may be a little on the shoddy side so um, just bear with us it should, this should only be a one episode thing hopefully it isn't too bad but with that being said let's get into it so we already talked about the first season as we've already mentioned so we're going to talk about number two, but I think it's necessary to talk a little bit about the very first episode of season one, because I feel like there's a lot of information in the first episode, the first five minutes, actually. That's all we really need to talk about. There's so much information in there that is very important, but easily overlooked because you know nothing about the story at that point in time. So we start the very first episode off with a person sitting in the middle of a circle surrounded by the Chinese Zodiac animals with a narrator talking over uh, the, the image. And the narrator is talking about holding an eternal banquet, endless gatherings. And if you listen closely, at least in the English version, I'm not 100% sure in the subbed version, the narrator of the voice is Toru Honda. And she, st she states, referring to the Zodiac in the scene, that they may be lonely now, but everyone is waiting on the other side of that promise. This is the original promise, lost in the distant past, forgotten by everyone. And this is talking about the promise made to the Zodiacs as uh, it's a reoccurring theme throughout the show. But I take this as a very cryptic message, especially since Toru is the one telling us this. And it's something that I forgot about until I rewatched it. And it just causes me to have so many theories floating around my head because it just hits differently once you have seen everything and you, you kind of get caught up in this story. So it hits very different. And then if you look at the, the imagery of this scene, and you look at the poster for the season three teaser, it starts to really connect things. So the poster we talked about in our spring anime episode. So if you haven't seen that, you can check it out. But I didn't go into a lot of detail in that episode because I didn't want to spoil anything for Bobby at the time because he didn't he wasn't caught up to season two. So I think we can go into a lot of detail now. But I want to ask you, since you're now caught up, Bobby, what are your thoughts 
about this poster now that you've finished season two because I'm going to paraphrase a little, but you said at the end of season one, the vibe gets pretty blue and you looked at the poster and it has chains around Toru, Yuki, Kyo, and Akito and they're intertwined and it looks like Shigure's free. The more that you get into the story, you, uh, the more you learn about the curse and how Toru's wrapped up in it. So I'm going to assume that your stance might have changed a little bit or do you still have like the same thought of all of them just being intertwined so i think now especially that those chains are the bonds that they always refer to at least that's what i think and that's why they're all connected and as you said now that i've seen season two a few possibilities come to mind one shigure finds a way out of the curse after all we do find out kirino did and he tells him at the last episode to him and Toru that he's no longer part of, like, the quote-unquote, the Zodiacs anymore. So since he's not in that chain anymore, I, f- I feel like he finds a way out. Some way or some shape or form. The second possibility is that Toru becomes another, quote, god. Or, as you mentioned before about, like, the cryptic message it could have been... She is the person they they all trying to meet on the other side. And that's why Akito is still tied up as well. Because she becomes possibly someone even above God in this scenario. Yeah, that's pretty interesting because I didn't get the vibe from looking at the picture that Shigure is outside of the ropes so he's broken free of this curse. So I really like that theory. Um, or he's going to find a way to break out of this curse. Seeing that that's his sort of his main motive right now with his manipulative actions. And I like your theory about Toru being another god or the person ma- waiting on the other side. More so the latter rather than the former. Because um, I have a little bit of rebuttals or arguments against her being another god. But I do like the fact that you think she's the one they're waiting for on the other side. Love that. My breakdown of this image, I went a little, I went a little too deep into this, so it, it may be a little bit of rambling on, because I think the sizes of each character, the ways they're facing, and the positions of them are very important and symbolic in this image. So, of course, it's all solely speculation. So the first five minutes of the episode, we, we see these ropes, as we've mentioned, The chandelier above them represents the Zodiac. There's 12 bulbs on it. It's suspended above them and above the Somas. And then first in line, we have Toru Honda, front and center. She is in front of all the Somas. Maybe she is leading them from their destiny that they're trapped in. So Akito's back there kind of pulling them in, but Toru's ahead of everyone, and everyone's looking sort of towards her wanting to break away from Akito and carve their own destiny and then we have kyo who has his back to toru but he's looking back at her and we know kyo is a very protective type and he is very protective of toru and he likes to keep her out of his issues that's why his back's to her but he's always watching her he's always making sure that she is safe but he's protecting her from a distance then a little further back we have yuki he's standing a little taller which is a big change from how he is in season one. 
He is growing as a person. He's getting, sort of becoming his own true, has sort of getting his own true identity. So that is, um, I think, a very interesting position for him. And then we have Akito. And Akito is, he's a little further from Akito and closer to Toru, which is showing the direction he is traveling. And then Akito is directly in the center, but smaller than most of the characters. Is this showing that Akito's role is sort of diminishing? And I think that's sort of where they're leading towards that. And then behind Akito is Shigure, very large and towering over her. And I think this is a portrayal of the role Shigure has in manipulating Akito. Because Akito assumes that she's in control. But really, I believe Shigure is in control of Akito. And um, then we have, far off in the distance, Kureno. Showing us that even though he is a Soma, he is so distant from the rest of them. And this is because of the great reveal at the end of the season of him actually being free of the curse. So he is a Soma, but he's so far away that it's almost as if he's not even a Soma. And will it continue to be that way? Will he continue to have this distance? So a lot of this is just educated guesses and my views of characters' roles in this show based on this poster. But I would love to hear other people's analysis of the poster. And also I'd like to hear your thoughts on my analysis of it. Yeah. Like, I love that you mentioned, like, with Shigure towering over Agito, because and how he may be pulling the strings because it definitely fits his personality and it's something I didn't really think about at first like when I saw it and again I think that would also make sense because he's no longer in the change but Akito is so it's like Akito ends up being caught in his own trap so it's like they swap positions mm -hmm. almost and then same with Kyo because towards the end of the season does it, it does look like he's trying to, like, keep his distance away from Toru so Akito doesn't, like, do anything. But he still is always, like, very protective of her. So that is another thing that I think stands out as well. And then as you saw, as you mentioned, like, how Yuki is closer to Toru over Akito because he's finally starting to stand up and he's chosen the path to walk alongside of Toru. And of course, like we said, we could all be overthinking this idea, going too much into it, but that's also part of the fun. And then, like you said, with Kirino, we already know he doesn't really talk with the Zodiacs, probably because of the curse has been lifted. They were trying to hide the fact for so long, and that's kind of why he's out there, but he's going to play a role because of the whole them trying to break the curse. So, like, they added him there because he is going to be here, but it's just like he's a piece of the puzzle almost yeah and i'm actually curious i know we're really jumping the gun on talking about kurino and stuff but i'm curious on if akito actually knows that kurino's curse has been lifted yeah he I'm, does does akito actually know because i i know that yeah it's in the flashback it says why did you break our bond like he knows uh, the bond's broken gotcha I forgot. And that's why he bas or Akito basically guilt trip Kirino into staying because he freaks out because the the bond's broken and he doesn't want him uh, to abandon 
Oh, yeah. You're right. I forgot about that. Completely forgot. <clears throat> and that brings up, once we get into our theories, I bring that mention up a few times on my theory of the curse. So now, going on to the actual story of the second season. So, kind of like with all second season, at the very beginning, we get a little bit of a recap of everything that happened in the first season. And then we finally transition to Yuki taking his role as the student council president. Which, of course, is something he would normally would never do. But this is kind of his first step into taking a step forward to break out of this shell he's made from like all his obviously past trauma. And we get introduced to some new characters like Vice President Manabe, who seems very carefree and doesn't care about much about work. Machi, the treasurer, where the first time we see her, like the whole student council room is in a mess and then she gives them like Yugi kind of like this death glare, but then all of a sudden kind of goes back to normal. And then like she also doesn't like speak ever. Like she says like a few words here and there. We find out that they each have very kind of like unique personalities and things aren't going to go as smoothly as Yuki thinks, but he's still pretty happy with his encounter, but he's also reminded that this is almost like an, like another Soma's because obviously we've been introduced to all the Zodiacs and they each have a very unique personality, so to say. Yeah, for sure. And we'll talk a little bit more about the student council a little bit later. But yeah, it's very similar to the Somas with how their dynamic works out. And one character I think is very reflective of Yuki just in a, a time that was previous, like a few months ago even, in terms of the story. <clears throat> but next we learn about everyone's future plans and what everyone's things will happen after they graduate high school. And Toru seems to think she knows what she's wanting to do. She wants to go straight into work right after graduation. And she's very determined on this, but she feels unsure and anxious. And Yuki is also worried about his future and what he's going to do since he's a Soma. Because their destinies are kind of etched out for them. Their future is basically predetermined. So he is very anxious about that, and he doesn't know if he wants to get away or stand up to the Soma family, or just what he wants to do. He's very torn. But he is making his person like he is creating his own destiny and actually coming out of his shell. So it's starting to evolve in a way that probably all would like to hope to see from Yuki. Because I I remember watching season one and I'm just like he is way too closed off, and he's pretty annoying, honestly, with how closed off he is. And now he's annoying in a different way, but at least he's opening up out of his shell and actually getting some sort of personality and doesn't depend on Toru so much. <laughs> and then we get probably one of the most depressing bits is, and this is, we learn that Kyo's future is even more determined than any other Soma. Because those who are possessed by the cat spirit basically forced to be locked away. We see this with his biological father. He calls uh, Kazuma Shisho, and they discuss his confinement after graduation. So after 
Kyo graduates, his biological father wants to lock him away forever. And this is because his father still blames Kyo for the death of his mother. So he's holding this huge resentment towards him, thinking Kyo's a monster because he's possessed by the cat spirit. And this is a view that's shared by most of the Soma who know about the curse. So uh, Kazuma shares that even he shares that Kyo is changing. He is progressing and he's and he used to be very like Kazuma used to be like Kyo in the past, but he's changing for for the better and he swears that he will protect Kyo as long as he continues to change. So Kyo's very worried about this future for himself, but he doesn't even realize that Kazuma is fighting for him in the background and people actually do care about him because Kyo has this mentality that he is a monster and it's constantly reinforced. So this is something that's a very sad future for Kyo, but we're hoping that it changes. And we will continue to kind of like see this theme throughout the season about change. And I think it's like really great for character development because at the end of the first season, once Toru met Kyo's true form and how everything ended with just about everything on the table, I feel like it was a very turning point for just about everyone, including Toru. So now it's like Toru is a foothold for them. And I don't mean that in like any disrespect, more like Toru's there to help them that kind of like foothold, not as like a stepping stone. And that they can finally change and want a future of what they want, not what the Somas want. Yuki starts to interact more with people. Kyo is trying to open up more. Toru ends up finding her goal in life. And not only that, but the other Solomons slowly but surely start to think of a future outside of just being a Zodiac. And I think it's all thanks to Toru. And like throughout the, this entire season, we get backstories, we get future plans, we get like pretty much all this setup. I think it's all leading up to the final season. So there's kind of like a huge info dump on some episodes and then it kind of mellows out on some other ones. It's a very up and down kind of season. Yeah, one thing I really liked about this season was, I mean, honestly, there wasn't a lot going on, but a lot happened. It was just with like the information provided and a lot of heartbreaking and touching moments happened, and I really liked that. And, uh, yeah, like you said, an info dump of just stuff, but it worked out so well, and it got you so invested in each character. So then after we get a glimpse of Kyo's past, we end up seeing a little more of Yuki and his like anxiousness about like him being in that closed room. But then we see him once again trying to change when his brother Ayame visits him at his house and jokingly invites him to his shop to go see his shop where he works and Yuki agrees which ends up sh shocking both Ayame and Toru because they both just kind of stop and they're like huh which I thought was kind of funny <laughs> kind of like funny and cute at the same time because it's like he's always like so confident but then like when Yuki actually agrees. I'm is like, well, yeah, I absolutely I 
love Ayame's personality when it comes to Yuki. Like, Ayame is this very outspoken, outgoing person, wants to see the best in people, and kind of wants to see them show their true selves. He wants everyone to be very open about who they are. So he kind of prods Yuki a little bit and kind of nudges him to show his true colors and be himself. So, like you said, when when he agrees, they're just like, what the fuck? Like, that worked? Holy shit. Yeah, and though his shop isn't exactly what, like, Yuki understands as it's a mix between, like, a cosplay hobby tailor shop? Because, yeah. honestly, <laughs> I'm not really too sure myself. Think of, like, a Michaels or Joanne Fabrics. It, yeah, but also in your area. Yeah. Or basically a craft store, but they also make uniforms or clothing as well. So it's like a hobby tailor shop, I guess. And, of course, Yuki is kind of like just very confused at like everything going on. But I think it fits Aime's very flamboyant personality myself. But... Obviously, because their personalities are almost polar opposites, they don't really get to see eye to eye, but they do end up having kind of like a heart-to-heart discussion as Yuki kind of opens up to him and tells him about his troubles, about his unsure future, about the relationship with his parents, the parent-teacher conference coming up, and like how he feels about inviting his parents because they only think of him as a tool, and he kind of has that mindset. But then this is one of the times when Aime, though he's very, seems very carefree, he all of a sudden gets like this very serious at points and tells him that, do not think of yourself as that. You don't realize you have a person close to him than you think. Just like how he, I forget his shop assistant's name, like Minno or something like that. I don't And remember. like how he's found her to kind of like, have an anchor point yuki has someone with them he just doesn't know it yet so it's another chance we get to see of like the brother bond slowly coming together mm-hmm. yeah and ima has obviously not had a relationship with yuki until toru came into his life because ima neglected his brother when he was younger as well just like his parents did he wanted to distance himself for some reason and now that he's coming back into Yuki's life, he is becoming that guardian, a guardian figure for Yuki. So like you mentioned, the parent-teacher conference, that was a really cool moment. Uh, I'm not sure if we talk about that a little later. Yeah, we do. Okay. Yeah, that's I, that was a really cool moment for like me personally. I just I loved what IMA did for him, so we'll talk about that. But yeah, like he's just – he's – opening up and yuki's opening up and it's just such a great character development going on in this season and speaking of character developments this show does a really good job at making sure all the characters get at least a little bit of limelight with so many being involved it it actually makes it so it's not just the main characters but also the sub characters development like they give them the moments they need and that's really difficult for most shows because most shows will just focus on like three, four characters and not really deviate too much or just give them small little backstories here and there. But this one really went all out, I feel like. 
and it was such a short time frame, like 50 episodes between season one and two, and you get so much information. I feel like, yeah, like you said, like, I feel like out of, although there's a few Zodiacs that we don't get much of, mm-hmm. which I think it's fine, but even like the, like for recent hero that are very side characters, you still get a pretty chunk of it from like other characters that even though they're only probably in like four or five episodes you still know them pretty well Mm -hmm. because they're reoccurring and just from like their personalities and i just liked how they didn't just focus on like the main people obviously the main people have a lot more to talk about than the others but like through their backstories through others backstories you can kind of just like connect all the pieces together to the point where even though they may not talk about a specific one entirely they're all together right yeah it it's just they did a really great job and like you said the few that aren't they're the mostly the younger ones and there's not a whole lot to do with them since they are so young they don't have that type of childhood trauma like yuki and kyo have but moving on so now we're back at school and we learn that haru has turned black his dark side has started to slip out a little bit and he's rampaging the classroom next door kyo and yuki try to calm him down when he grabs toru and he says he'll expose her for who she is kyo then punches him and we see this protective side of kyo coming out because he is just so protective of toru Luckily, Haru starts to calm down a little bit, and Yuki goes off to see what exactly is happening. And this is when uh, Haru tells Yuki that Rin broke up with him. And he ends up getting suspended for the commotion that he caused, and Yuki decides to go visit him at the Soma residence. So, since Yuki went and visited the Soma residence, this is a really big moment. Despite being such a small gesture of going to visit your relative in their in their state of suspension just kind of visiting him this is a huge moment for yuki because he's going to the place that he absolutely hates like the worst place in the world for him this is where all of his trauma and basically everything that is wrong with him and his mental health this is where it all stems from it's a place that destroyed him and he's going there to visit haru so this shows how much he's changed and how much he actually wants others to change too. So he's showing that he cares just as Haru has done for everyone else. It's it's just a big stepping stone for Yuki, just kind of giving back to somebody else. So then we finally get to meet Kurano, like the last Zodiac, kind of like officially, though I don't think we actually know what the first encounter if he's a zodiac i um i assumed he was because we haven't met the rooster yet and i just thought when i saw him like well he has to be the last one yeah they kind of give like this random person some spotlight so it's kind of like like there you kind of figured something out but it's not officially stated but we finally get to see chrono's first appearance and it's with our very own uachan at her job at the convenience store and though she doesn't know if she has actually fallen from yet, but we find out she certainly can't stop thinking about him. And by chance, she ends up finding him or running into him again. 
but this time actually chases after him. And when she finally catches up, they get to enjoy a meal together before they part ways. And they kind of get into like a disagreement a little bit because he mentions, like Kierno mentions being happy, but she says like, then why are you showing this like fake smile? Why do you look so sad? And like that leaves an impression on him because it's like she saw through him. And so they kind of leave a deeper impression between each other. But then at the end, we see him end up back with Akito and he doesn't say anything about his encounter. So I think once he went back to Akito, that's when we kind of knew, oh, this is a Soma. This is a Zodiac. So pretty big reveal right there. And not really sure how it would play out at that moment. I was just like, I don't know what's going to happen here. And of course, they kind of leave you hanging for a while because now it's summer. And what better way to celebrate summer than a vacation house? Just like every other anime that wants to celebrate summer. Someone owns a vacation house all the time. So Yuki, Kyo, Toru, Momiji, Haru, Risa, and Hiro have decided to spend a part of the summer at this Soma vacation house. So while everyone's enjoying themselves at the Soma house, vacation house, we see Rin go to Shigure's. And they have a conversation, and there's some pretty cryptic things they're saying. Like, she's mentioning, you know why I'm here. And she's acting in a very, acting in a very suggestive manner. Only then later do we see Shigure with Akito. And suggests that Akito come visit the summer home as well. Which is very interesting, because why would Shigure ask Akito... To come to the summer home where all the Somas are, and Toru, which we know Akito hates Toru. So why would Shigure want this confrontation to happen? So it leaves some very questionable things in your mind after these few scenes. And this definitely, if you haven't changed your opinions on like Shigure from season one to two, this definitely is when things start to even be more in the limelight of like his thing with his inter or interaction with Rin and then with Agito because it's like actually stuff is going on between all of that and then when Agito comes to the vacation house you know things aren't going to go smoothly because like the first thing he does is gets all the Zodiacs to come and greet him leaving only Toru behind and with Kyo since after all the cat is never invited to any of these family meetings and this is when we start to see Kyo becoming more aware of his feelings the more times he spends alone with Toru but he's unable to tell um but not only that but he's able to tell like when something's wrong with like just a glance because after like the whole meeting with Agito and stuff they end up getting into like a little disagreement. Hero, being a hero, accidentally says something that he doesn't like mean. He just he's a little kid, so he kind of says things before he does about like why she is always talking about his mother, because obviously the Zodiac's parents kind of aren't the greatest, and so because she ends up having this constantly on her mind, when they all come back from the little meeting, they go out have some fun and they're like catching all these beetles and stuff 
And Kyo makes a comment to Hiro like, hey, did you say something to her? Because he can tell she seems down even though she's very cheerful and everything. So it's like, even though he wants to separate himself from her, like distance himself, you can still see that like he still notices every slight little thing. So you know he's paying attention even though he's trying to distance himself. So it's we start to see a little more of like what Kyo's doing, but then we also see that Kyo's not the only one changing. Yuki does a bit more too after his encounter with Akito. He ends up having like a one-on-one encounter with him, and we end up seeing him crying on Toroshoda, saying he's finally opened up the lid. As in, like, all his bodily motions, he's finally starting to open up what he's kept deep down. And we're left with the scene of him crying on Toru's shoulders. Yeah, that is a very important scene because I think that this is the first step that Yuki has to take to break the curse. Because I have a theory about what the curse is and how it's broken and everything like that, which we'll talk about at the end of this podcast episode. But I think that was the first step he needs to take in order to break this curse. <clears throat> so Akito, being as controlling as ever, she is keeping all of the Zodiac away from Toru. And then also decides it's time to pay Toru a visit. So Akito goes and sees Toru and Kyo playing in the sand on the beach. And this disgusts Akito because how can Toru like a monster like Kyo? So Akito leaves because this absolutely disgusts her. And Yuki is also sort of watching in the distance. He's It's weird because he's kind of like breaking himself free of Toru, but he's still kind of, I feel like, has this feeling of wanting to be part of Toru's life, but knows he needs to be his own person. But then we see Rin unexpectedly show up to this vacation home as well. And this is where Toru meets Rin. And they're not under the greatest circumstances because Rin is very mentally and physically unstable and in just this unhealthy state. And Toru actually stumbles upon her in the woods in her horse form. And she runs off before... And then uh, Rin runs off before they can get help. And at this point, you're like, what is going on with Ren? Like, what is her motives and why is she acting the way she is? Because yeah, it doesn't really... Because she just kind of shows up out of nowhere. Like, what's she doing here? And then she gets found and then, like, leaves. So it's kind of... I'm just like, the fuck? Like, <laughs> do you want to be a part of this or not? Right. Like, make but, up your mind. Yeah, exactly. And Ren isn't the only one we don't know what's going on. Because Kyo ends up getting summoned by Agito. Of course, Toru's first impression is it's a good thing because he's finally getting recognized. But it's Agito. We know it's not going to end well. And here we get a bit more glimpse of like what happened before he met Toru. About the, we learn about a certain bet. That he has to beat Yuki before graduation. Otherwise, he's going to get confined like all the other cat spirits. Except... This time, instead of falling to despair that he would normally would, he is reminded that there is someone out there that would accept him who he is, even in his 
quote-unquote monster form, and he goes running back to Toru. Now the summer is winding down, and what better way to wind down than with some fireworks? But fireworks aren't the only thing that gets the blood pumping here. We learn why the Zodiacs are always answering Akito's call. And this is because we learn that if they don't answer Akito's call, she's going to get mad at Toru and lash out. So they're doing this actually in order to protect her. And it seems like everybody is wanting to protect someone. And we start to learn that Rin might also be protecting someone. Because just like the Zodiacs follow to Akito, uh, we're hinted that Rin is tying, cutting her ties with Haru to protect him. So, it would have been a nice summer ending if it ended with just fireworks. But the fateful encounter between Akito and Toru finally arrives. The things get a little heated between Akito and Toru because Akito has a very short temper. And Akito actually claws Toru in the face in just an act of rage. But we also learned two things from this encounter. Kuruno, the Zodiac that we were talking about earlier that met Uochan, is the last Zodiac, and that Akito is the god of the Zodiacs. This leads Toru to be like, bitch, like, fuck you, you can't control these people. <laughs> she's gonna break, like, she's like, I'm gonna break this curse. You can't go around claiming your god, bossing the Zodiac around. I'm not having it. So she decides she's going to break this curse. Yeah, we start to get a lot of information going on from like this point with the future of the Zodiacs on what they want to do, the past on why they are or how they are, and even some secrets that finally get discovered. It becomes a lot of a roller coaster from this point on because like, this point on, Toru has set goal that she wants to go and break the curse. So she even goes to Kazuma to see if he knows anything because he's seen two generations of the cats. So maybe he knows something, but fortunately he doesn't. But like even speaking of Kyo, we find out that he, while this is all happening, he actually goes on a date with none other than our fan Kagura. And back in season one, when we find out that she was hiding something, her she finally confesses the guilt that she's been harboring, and that's the fact that like she ran away when she saw his true form because she accidentally took the rosemary off, and she ran away, and that obviously caused kind of like a rift between them. And but even after all that, like, after growing up with her, spending all that time as they did with, like, childhood, she still, like, truly loves him. And that was kind of, like, the whole, like, secrets that kind of went throughout and everything and, like, what she was harboring. But they're not the only ones that were, like, taking steps forward onto what they want. And so as everyone, as we kind of mentioned earlier... Everyone's taking steps forward to change. Kaguya, who we don't see much, finally took a step forward and like confessed everything to Kyo. Yuki starts to talk to people outside of the Somas, and this is when they have like a 
uh, bonding moment with the vice prince. They kind of like argue for a moment, but then they also kind of get closer afterwards. And then we finally see Rin again, and by chance, Haru comes up. And I love this scene that this is why I just had to talk about this for a moment. This is kind of when my opinion of Rin change for her. Because, like, even though Rin was yelling at Haru, Haru still loves her and, like, just grabs her and kisses her. And, like, for that brief moment, you see, like, of hesitation. She doesn't, like, back away and she actually, like, embraces him for a moment. But then breaks off and runs away because we find out, like, she's trying to do this to protect him. And so, for me, it was a good moment because even though she's doing all this, it kind of shows that she still has feelings for him because there was that brief moment where she hesitated. And I just I just had to say, talk about that scene real quick. Yeah, I really... So it was really hard to like Ren at first because Ren just pushes people away. It's like that stereotypical, like, I'm full of myself anime character. But... Like, we all knew, or I, I assume we most of us knew that Rin had something buried inside like every other Soma does. And she just expressed it in a very poor way compared to some of the others. So when this started happening, you start to see the redemption, the character redemption here, knowing that she's trying to do it to protect people. She's not doing it to intentionally hurt others. And that's when I really started to like Rin. So, as we mentioned earlier, there was this parent-teacher conference coming up, and Yuki was very nervous about inviting his mom to it, because they treated him like a tool. He was just some sort of instrument that kind of brought status to them in the Soma family, since he's a Zodiac. So, he's there in the class, or in the parent-teacher conference room with his mother, and things are just very, they're going very bad. Yuki's trying to answer questions about his future, where the mother is basically stating that his future's decided there's nothing he can do about it. And just when Yuki starts to close off a little bit, the savior walks through the door. Ayame bursts through the door and announces that he's here to rescue his little brother. And we get this brotherly love that it just brings a smile to your face because you know he's there to protect Yuki and there's no ill intent. He's just there hoping that he can get a second chance from his little brother. And I think this really solidified that relationship. It started to mend the the shattered pieces and weld them back together. So I just loved this scene because he totally threw his mon- mother under the bus and was just like, you can't tell Yuki what to do. He's his own person. Come on, Yuki, let's go. And it was just fantastic. I love the fact that, like, Yuki's like, wait, mom can't handle IMA very good because she ends up becoming, like, a totally different person. Uh So I think it's that was also pretty cool. Yeah, she started just crack. Like, IMA just knew every way to work around her. Yuki isn't the only brother that has some good news and a little bit of bad news going on. When Toru is attempting to reach Kurano to see if that this is the guy who Uochan has fallen for, she runs into Momoji's little sister, who unfortunately has no idea Momoji and her are related. But she's secretly watching him play his violin, and she wants him to become her big brother, and asks Toru to tell him that. 
and we learn that Momoji's future dream is to become a violinist and play for his family. And when he learns that his little sister wants to be related to him, this makes him very happy that she's taken notice of him. So it's really cute because Momoji, he's coming from this such a broken household because he was rejected by his mother that his little sister is so drawn to him because of a bond that they don't even realize they share. So it's almost as if subconsciously the the sister knows that they're related, but doesn't actually truly know that they are, if that makes sense. I was a little broken hearted at this because like, cause she even tells her like, it's her wish mm-hmm. for him to be her big brother. And I'm just like, Oh my God. I'm like, yeah. and then like, Momoji, I think, is a fantastic character. At first, I was a little annoyed of him, but it's like he's always, like, this carefree, happy, like, he's always wants to be this ball of sunshine. But then, like, moments like this, he get, when he gets serious, it's just, like... Heartbreaking. It's, like, the whole... Yeah, and it's, like, he's so serious. Toru's breaking down crying, and Momoji's, like, I'm so glad I'm happy. Do you know why I'm happy? Because I have someone that will cry for me. And I'm just like, oh my fucking god. You're supposed to be this energetic ball. And I can't do that. When you get serious like this, it just breaks my heart. You mm-hmm. can't do this to me. And then on top of that, Toru's crying. And when Toru cries, I almost always cry. It's just a rough time. It was like, this was only a brief moment. But they made it so emotional. I'm just like, god damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of like this. That's why I also love this season two is because like all the symbols have taken their own step forward and like even with rin even though she ends up struggling with her health and her like mentality as we kind of been seeing this is when we also finally see her backstory and how like at first her parents seemed okay but she mentioned something i forget what it was and then like the whole facade just broke and then as mm-hmm. like every ter- stereotypical zodiac parent, they all like were very abusive to her and cast her away, and that's when Haru came into the picture because Haru actually like scolded her parents like, "What are you doing? Like, do you know what this child has gone through?" And then that's when she felt needed by someone or like someone recognized her, and they just kind of grew from there. Like they had this they always kind of like grew and they grew from like friendship or whatever to love and everything. But then like with all this trauma and stress building up from her, she ends up passing out at the Shigure house and lo and behold, she gets taken care of by another than our very own Toru. Of course, she's very reluctant at first because she's afraid of taking advantage of another kind person because Haru is very kind to her. She doesn't want to take care of this kind of person because she knows if she does, she's never going to want to let go of this kindness. But she finally accepts her warmth and then eventually they find out that they're both actually trying to break the Soma curse. So I thought it was really neat and I honestly hope that they become like pretty much like sisters is my hope yeah i really like ran like she just every time something happened to her it was just me falling closer and closer to like loving this character and it was so heartbreaking seeing her family household because like you said it was a facade 
her family was acting all happy, but I believe it was dinner time and she said like she didn't like something or didn't like a certain food and her mom just broke down and like was calling her like inconsiderate and just completely belittling her and being abusive and that's what kind of broke Rin and made her the way she is. It's really sad. So it seems like everyone has started to take an interest in Toru in some form or another. And it's not always romantic, and which is one thing I really loved or still love about this show is it's all about relationships. And most of them are just platonic, loving relationships between a family that's forming. Like they are creating their own family and it's just something beautiful to watch form. So Yuki is becoming ever closer to the student council and he starts to let out his feelings for Toru. When he, we learned when he first met her with the hat incident that we mentioned in uh, the first season episode. And he starts to realize that he thinks of her more as a mother figure than a love interest or romantic interest. And this is like a big step for him because I think he's trying to figure out who he is and what his feelings are towards her. So he, he finally acknowledges that he needs Toru but not in the way that Kyo needs Toru. And I think that was a really important step, especially because as I'm watching this, like you almost think it's a love triangle because you're like, do I have to really root for Yuki or root for Kyo? Like, I don't want to do this because they both are great characters. And the fact that Kyo or Yuki made his own decision that he doesn't have that type of feeling for her. He just wants to be there for her and her to be there for him makes the relationship aspect of it just so much less complicated and not as convoluted as a show could this show could have made it i just want to mention like one thing and don't get me wrong i love that we finally got to see what the whole that blue hat incident was but this whole talk literally when i went back spanned three episodes oh yeah it was a long conversation yeah, of him, like, talking, and obviously there was, like, backstory, and it gave us, a, like, a good amount of stuff, but I'm just like, three episodes! <laughs> like, just thinking back on it, I'm just like, holy crap, they really did three episodes about this. Yes, they did. They, like you said, like, this was just, like, information overload season, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did, too, but it was just crazy to me, because, like, kind of, like, everyone got their own, like, one episode backstory but then this got three episodes and i'm just like hmm. <laughs> okay i loved i i gotta say though i still loved her mom in this oh her yeah. reaction to her missing she's a cute guy with cute voice with a cute voice and cute clothes how do you not know what i don't you know what i mean and the police were getting irritated like no ma'am <laughs> yeah like fucking love her mom uh so Yuki isn't really the only one that's letting out his true feelings now. Things are just starting to flow. And the class starts to do starts to plan a, a play called Cinderella-ish. So it starts off as Cinderella and it kind of deviates. They rewrite the whole story to just fit the people who are playing the characters. So it's basically not Cinderella. That's why it's Cinderella-ish. So we see Kyo and Toru and 
Uochan all taking stage and everyone's just performing and there's this romantic part of the play where it's about relationship between the prince and the love interest or something along those lines. I can't fully remember which one Uochan was. Was she a prince or a princess? I don't remember. Uochan was another prince. Okay, that's what I thought. And so Hana was the Cinderella and Toru was the yeah. stepsister. So this whole spiel starts going on because this whole play is basically a big wing it fest. Like no one's going on script and Uochan has to let out her feelings and real life starts to slip into the play a little bit. And she starts talking about how she really misses like the person that she loves and she wants to see him again. And Toru is realizing that this isn't the play talking. Uochan's not following any sort of script. She is speaking from her heart. And she's heartbroken that Kurano, who we learn is the man that she went on the date with and who is a Soma, isn't, has never contacted her, never called her back, and she just wants to see him again. And she's crying on stage. And Toru, or maybe it's Momoji, somebody's recording this play and Toru is heartbroken by this and this leads to Toru taking some action trying to not see her friends heartbroken so after their successful play I guess we can yeah, call I it mean, Uo- of- <laughs> Uo-chan's crying performance really sealed the deal they're like damn she's a good actress <laughs> of Cinderella ish we find out, like, with Momonji that he recorded it, and Toru wants a copy, and they she wants it so she can end up giving it to Kirino. So after that, we find out that another year has passed. Not as in, like, from the Culture Festival, but as in it's time once again for New Year's. And this year, Yuki decides to go back to the Soma estate willingly, which shocks Toru at first, but then she knows he's going there to move forward, so she's actually happy for him and doesn't like doesn't need to tell him to be careful. She just wishes him luck this time. So she kind of changes up her responses. And at the little banquet that they were having... This time, he finally confronts Akito, and he basically says, I don't blame you anymore, or... I forget exactly what he says, but he's basically saying, I acknowledge you, I acknowledge my past, I need to know it to move on. He's, like, attempting to move on, and he makes a note of, like, I don't like that look in your eye. And, like, when he says that, we get a brief flashback of Kirino as a kid. And I think it was some pretty intense foreshadowing, if I do say so myself. Of course, Agito doesn't like this and ends up smashing some kind of like jar over his head. Like what and, an escalation, honestly! Like throwing words. Let me just throw a fucking vase then. Yeah, it really like, and everyone just kind of paused and looked because obviously it was like a big noise. And at least Colonel was there to stop Agito from going any further. And just when you thought things weren't going high enough, after the whole incident, like, died down and everyone went to bed, 
Kurno goes and watches the DVD of the play and he sees Uo-chan's feelings when he's like, I want to see you, I want to see you, come see me, damn it. And he finally decides to get a hold of Toru and tell her everything. And we finally get to the ending of the season and he calls Shigure to try to get a hold of Toru and because Shigure's always kind of had this like hint that Kurno was different from the rest of them and we find out that he is. Kurno has broken the curse and he goes and talks with Toru and explains that it just kind of happened one day without warning when he was younger and because of that it affected Akito so much that he promised to stay by Akito's side and thus cannot be with Uochan and hands her back the DVD. And as he's talking, it's finally revealed that Agito is actually a girl because he goes, I must stay with her because she's just a small, fragile girl. And even shocks Toru because she goes, what, a girl? And then we see Akito and her girl form I guess I don't know how to really explain that but yeah it quite was, the uh, quite the ending yeah it was definitely one of those reveals that didn't come as a shock to me because I sort of knew Akito was a girl from the beginning just my assumptions so that wasn't a real big reveal to me but I'm like I, I get how that could be a pretty big reveal I think it's something that either came across as a big reveal for subbed watchers and people who read the anime. You mean the manga? <laughs> yeah, the people who read the manga. <laughs> people who read the anime are sub watchers. Thank you very yeah, much. Fair enough. <laughs> so what I was, was... Say, I think it was a little more of a shock for me because the the voice didn't seem like exactly like a girl. It was kind of like a neutral tone. Like it could go either way. And then with the body shape, it could still... It, it was one of those, like, it could go either way. Like, I wasn't a complete shock, but I always did kind of assumed Agito, based on, like, actions and stuff, it was a he. So it was a little shock. I was like, oh, like it was more of a, oh. Not, but not like a, oh my god. Right. Like, a mind-blowing, more of a, oh. Like, it finally confirmed, and I'm just like, I didn't know 100%. I had a few key things that I'm just like, okay, that's why Akito is always so handsy with everyone. But, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't that big of a shock to me because, I mean, the, the English voice actor still is fairly neutral. But, like, it's the same voice actor as Urza Scarlet from Fairy Tale. And obviously, Urza's a girl. But I believe this is the same voice actor as Luffy from One Piece in the, the newer-ish episodes. I don't know when they, they exactly change voice actors because there's two of them, I believe. So it, it wasn't weird that this could Akito could have been a boy, but it was something that I definitely got the vibe of that Akito was a she. So now that we've finished up and we real we've revealed that Kurino broke the curse, 
and Toru and basically every Zodiac wants to break this curse. What are some of your theories going on right now? So before I did think like Toru was the organizer, but now I do believe it's Akito. There's a few reasons why. And I think you also think of there's a reason why mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, but I still think Toru is related some way, shape, or form. I just don't know yet. I'm still trying to piece that together. But I still think she is related some way. But as far as the curse goes, I think it's once they sever that bond with Akito, that's when they will be free. And that's why she's so manipulative because she doesn't want them to ever forget her. And that way, if she can control their hearts, she controls their bonds and they will never be able to escape from it. Mm-hmm. And kind of how you mentioned of earlier that whole beginning scene and the very first episode, like one of the things that stood out to me was not only those chains, those showed up even on that final poster. So it's almost to me it feels like instead of a bond it's almost like a forceful thing rather than willing so it's like he forced them to be together instead of it being almost like mutual but the one thing that is always got me is the cat in the fairy tale the cat isn't there yet we see the cat in the arms of god Mm -hmm. which to me is rather interesting and i'm still trying to figure out what that means but i feel like the cat may be the key to the curse in some way shape or form yeah so a few points you made one yeah akito is definitely god i believe my main argument for why toru couldn't be the god is because when toru hugs any male soma they transform Whereas Akito has been seen hugging people like Yuki. Um, obviously, Kurano doesn't is broken. But Akito hugs people and they don't transform. Which definitely means that Akito is a descendant and shares the curse with the Somas. Because the those who share the curse can't make the others transform. So that's one reason why I think Akito is definitely God and Toru is not. But... Toru does have some sort of important role in this, whether she is some form of descendant or just somebody that is supposed to lead them away from God or to the path that they need to take. I think that is Toru. Whereas the cat, as you mentioned, I definitely think that the cat is a key to the curse. And that is why Akito is so persistent and like just, I guess, God in general, so persistent on trapping the cat all the former descendants of the cats have been imprisoned and i think that is to force them into the bond that will keep the curse alive now i don't know what will happen when the cat's free if they all become free or what but the fact that they want to trap them makes it seem like that is a huge key but i also want to say that yuki is taking the steps that he needs to take to become free of the curse and i think he'll be the next one that is free but i i believe that he still has some ties that he hasn't cut and that is why akito is still hanging on and like beating him and shit just to try to keep that bond alive even if it's a bond of hate because yuki needs to let go completely i think 
And as long as he's being abused by Akito, it's going to be hard for him to just forgive that and let it go. Yeah, that's why I think Kerno was able to break free mm -hmm. is because, like, it doesn't specifically say or gives you anything but like from what it seems to me obviously like when he was a kid we never really see kirino being abusive of anything like from akito or any of the parents so we never really had that really like trauma per se mm -hmm. and because he was a rooster he always dreamed of being in the sky and i think because when it happened it kind of looked like he was spacing out and what I think what happened was he got to the point where he wanted to be free, like fly in the sky. And like for that brief moment, he, he completely was, stopped thinking of Akito and like just only thought of being free. And so that's what broke it. But then obviously the whole Akito saw fucking bitch cried and he guilt tripped or she guilt tripped him into staying and that's why he still stays with Akito but I think that's what happened so when Yuki stood up to him and he mentioned that look as in like he seems distant he was almost there to break the bonds and that's why he had to do something yeah. that's why he had to hit him to kind of like bring him back down mm -hmm. I would agree and I find it very very ironic that Kurano wanted to be free and all he wanted to do was get away and breaking the bond was the first step to doing that yet now he is less free than he was before seeing that now he is like akito's puppet yeah and so this isn't more like theories but like some things that i think could possibly happen in the future episode or like in the final season so one of my things is I still think, I don't know why, but if Toru is part of some scheme or like part of this Soma family and everything, I still think from my earlier theories from season one, Toru's mom was involved in something and her Man, accident was no that. accident. <laughs> oh, I, I definitely think the accident wasn't an accident and I do think Kyo was the cause of it. You think Kyo was? Yeah, still? I, we talked about it briefly in. Um, yeah, no, because he says like I'm sorry. Yeah, I think he I was, he was he... there for it, and I think he inadvertently. I don't think it was intentional, but I think he caused her to die. I wonder if he transformed like into his true form, and she tried to protect him or something. And that's how uh, she died. But I don't know. Maybe I just feel like she's. I don't think her accident was an accident and that's why i just think she was involved with the somas in some shape or form maybe it was just with kyo but i just think there's something involved in there but one thing um i guess or do you have anything else to say because my last thing is going to be kind of going off the question of the day yeah, so once. do you have anything else to say yeah so i just want to say um the episode zero on Funimation that I watched. Super worth watching if you haven't yet. And just the ending, I'm not going to give like spoilers away for this, but a lot of, so the ending had about five minutes of the voice actors talking about their opinions of the show and what season three is going to bring. And a lot of them are saying they don't know if it's going to be the happy ending that people want. 
or if it will even be happy at all. And I'm very nervous for this season, and I'm afraid there's going to be a lot of people or a lot of characters that don't have satisfying endings. Like, they're going to have appropriate endings for who they are and everything, but I don't think it's going to be fully happy. And I'm very nervous, and I'm probably going to cry. So, pretty nervous about this new season, or the final season. If Haru and Rin don't get back together, I'm deducting two points from my review. (laughs) If... Kyo Just doesn't like get a happy there. ending. I'm going to be very upset. I would be upset, but I can understand it. I would understand it, but... I'm but really... I'm still dead set on Haru and Rin like, have to at least get back what together. If, what if the ending is Toru... Or they start to break the curse and everything, but before the curse is broken, like, Akito forces uh, Hatsuri to erase Toru's memory. And just fucking, no. for, she no. forgets all about the Somas, and it would be such a tragic ending. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I would cry if she lost all of her memories. Of I would Soma. hate this series as a whole if it ended as that. It'd be so Ugh. fucking sad. That's it. But moving on as to kind of wrap this up, because. We're a bit of an over an hour, but with the kind of delay we get this and how much we love this, I hope you guys understand. But my question of the day, uh, it's kind of like two questions because I couldn't decide on which ones, is what are your thoughts on the bonds of the Zodiac? And as we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier that they may not all have happy endings, but who do you think will be together? Now, this is kind of a theory of mine. So, I think Shigure and Akito are going to end up being together. Oh, how terrible. How terrible, honestly. (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. But not in, like, a healthy relationship by any means. Like, Shigure's, like, the master puppeteer? Yes. Because one is... There's always... Shigure always mentions, like how because after the whole incident with yuki and when he hit akito hit yuki akito yells at shigure like why didn't you come to me why did you wait so long and then shigure makes a comment like oh well i'm not your favorite anymore thinking of like karen like almost kind of like he's jealous and then there was a scene where haru is leaving and he tells him like oh say hi to Rin for me and he goes well is she he doesn't like hide anything and he goes well if she talks to me I will and Shigure makes a comment saying he should just do something about them already almost like he doesn't want people to be together because he can't be together with someone Interesting. and, and with the whole as we went back early to the poster of how he's like free of the bonds I feel like He's going to end up being together with Akito because after everyone, like, if people break free from the curse, Akito is going to be left alone and not with someone. And that's when Shigure is going to come in and basically control Akito now because of, like, because she's going to end up being so dependent now on him. And he's going to become, like, the head of the Soma family or whatever. And I, I don't want it. I really, I kind of don't want it to happen. <laughs> As like, Kirino go to Uochan, 
I love Uachan, and I don't I think Kirino's good enough for him. But I feel like those pairings will happen, and because of those pairings, him leaving Akito again, that sets him off for Shigure to come in. And Hattori with Mayu, Kyo with Toru, Haru Rin together, Risa and Hiro together. Wow, you're very Yuki optimistic. And Yuki and Machi together. Uh, Kagura, I'm sorry, I don't know anyone to go with you. <laughs> but, yeah, you're, you're very optimistic about the relationships that are going to form. Well, I feel like some of those relationships will form if they break the curse. Like Haru, Haru and Rin, because they both have feelings for each other. Hiro and Man. Risa basically have heroes or feelings for each other. You're assuming it's, they break the curse? <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Whether it's in a good way, like it ends up being good, probably not. <laughs> they break the curse and Toru's then erased. You never know. I'm, I'm really but nervous. I, I don't know what's happening. I don't think a lot of... So the, the show's all about bonds and relationships, and I think a lot of people are going to end up alone. I don't know. I don't think so. I guess we'll see. I think there's going to be some people alone, but I feel like I feel like some people are still going to be together. At least I want to be somewhat optimistic. optimistic. (laughs) Fair enough. So I think that wraps up this episode for today. I hope we didn't ramble on too much for you guys and everything was good. And I apologize again for my audio quality, but I hope you guys were able to suffer through it for us. So if you have any questions, concerns, recommendations, feel free to email us at gmail or at weebspawn at gmail.com and feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter where we're going to try to be a little more active than we have been recently. But we've both been pretty busy, so hopefully we can jump back on that. And that'll be all from us for today. I've been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we'll see you guys next time when we... Weeb spawn.